I won't say you should follow me. You are welcome. You are loved. Join us, and we shall reach the promised plane. I'm not boastful, and my chorus is more soulful. One of joy. We can see. One lacking pain. What you we are. Watching, listening, uh, masturbating, I don't know what you're doing. To the Cult of Odd, I am your friendly neighborhood cult leader, Odd, and uh, this is episode 107, Welcome to the Ranch, part two. Before we get into tonight's festivities, there was an incident that happened earlier today that I must bring attention to out of nowhere. Uh, we got uh, 20 new subs. Well, it's not out of nowhere. It was out of a friend of mine called Black Powder. He... Uh, He's a fellow streamer that I am really good friends with, and uh, he does uh, a lot of different types of gaming, but uh, we met through GTARP. He has a character named Don Kedick, and uh, you will definitely love the adventures of Don Kedick. So uh, I don't have uh, his uh, link handy at the moment because I am a very bad podcaster. However, uh, never fear, we'll, we'll get that sorted. Um all right, welcome. Hi, how is everybody tonight? I know you're in the chat room. Feel free to chat away, uh, talk to me, uh, tell me how much you love yourself and uh, how much you tolerate me. Um, but, hello, Sim. That is my lovely wife, Sim of the Dead. She is a moderator and she will be helping try and keep my attention <laughs> on the chat. Uh, so you may be wondering, welcome to the ranch. What the hell does that mean? Well, we are talking about a, uh, place called the Sherman Ranch. Uh, it is a, uh, otherwise known as Skinwalker Ranch. And we talked about it last time and we're into part two of that. But before we jump in, there's something I want to bring up. All right. I read a news story out of Florida. Thank you for those bits, Rob. Welcome. For those of you that are wondering, Rob is the man that helps keep me in my coffee addiction. And uh, there's the website for him right there. It's Old Mill Coffee. Go check them out. It is the best damn coffee you will ever brew. Um, but this week while I was watching or oh, reading news on the internet... I came across the story out of Florida. Of course, it's Florida. In Florida, a teacher showed a movie they should not have shown. All right, this is a math teacher showing fourth graders the movie Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Okay? It's a horror movie. 
It's not meant for children. It is honestly, if I'm not mistaken, it is rated NR, so not rated. Which means there's tits and sex and blood and gruesomeness and all sorts of things that fourth graders should not be fucking seeing, in my opinion. Granted, when I was seven years old, my mother showed me the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I had been watching horror movies since long before that. That's neither here nor there. (laughs) What I'm trying to figure out, and in all the stories that I've read, all the articles that I've read on this, never once has there been anything said by the teacher as to what the fuck he was thinking. Like, it it isn't even a matter of uh, mistakes. Right? Like, oh, well, it was a Winnie the Pooh movie. What should I know? You know, let's, 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 let's look at something real quick. You see that right there? Those are Winnie the Pooh movies. It is very clear that these movies are meant for children. Animated, uh, the characters are all happy looking and whatnot. It's, it's, it's plain as day, right? Those movies are meant for children. Now, let's take a look at Blood and Honey. There is no way that a teacher saw that cover of the movie and went, yeah, that's, a, that's appropriate. No way. Fucking Pooh looks scary as shit. He's got a goddamn hammer with blood all over it. it <coughs> like, the words are dripping with blood. In what world would you see that and be like, you know what? I'm going to show that to a group of fourth graders. Also, too, it's a math teacher. What the fuck are they showing movies for anyways? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm at a loss here because I'm, I'm genuinely trying to figure out what the fuck they were thinking. Because it don't make sense to me. So that that was my what the fuck moment for this week is like how in the world could you see that and be like yeah you know I'm I'm a, I'm gonna show a bunch of kids that of course the teacher is in hot water rightly so the parents are furious the school board is like you know well you know mistakes are made but you know things have to you know, actions have to be done it's a terrible movie Rob I'm gonna tell you right now. I like terrible movies. The setup for the movie. So like the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie is not terrible. Okay? Like I like the idea of a dark take on the Hundred Acre Forest crew. Right? Um, but after you get the, the, the basic gist of everything, it really does kind of fall apart. So you know, viewer beware. Um, if you, uh, if you want a good movie to watch, a movie that almost killed one of my past co-hosts, look for a movie called Slacks. S-L-A-X-X. Slacks. That's a good horror movie. But yeah, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is definitely not for children. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not. I guess a bad movie, but it is by no means a good movie. I don't think so. I don't think I've seen Trailer Park of Terror. 
Although, admittedly, I watch a bunch of shit and forget most of it. Um, you know what? Your best bet is, for me to remember is to send that to me through Discord, Captain, because I will forget between now and when I'm done. Sim can vouch. I have the worst memory. A goldfish would look at me and go, God damn, man, can't you think? remember anything? But, right, uh, to be fair to myself, there there is a lot that runs through my fucking head, you know, uh, between coding and websites and, uh, you know, streaming and work and everything else that I've got my grubby little fingers in. Everything kind of just gets shoved out of the way for the next thing. Um, all right. So, Skinwalker Ranch. As a recap from our episode about Skinwalker Ranch in part one, the newest owners of the property, the Shermans, had encountered what could only be described as a dire wolf. Hey, Sandwiches Malone! A hulking, wolf-like creature that was impervious to pain. Remember, they they, they shot at it with uh, uh, handguns and a shotgun. They beat it with, like, shovels and rakes and shit. It didn't even flinch. Like, it just did not relent. And it did not attack them, which was even weirder, right? Because, like, this thing was going after a, a newborn calf that they had bought. Like, they had just got it. They had just finished the pen to put the calf in. And this lumbering fucking creature comes out of the goddamn woods, walks up to them like nothing's wrong, you know, lets them pet it and, you know, all this stuff, according to them, of course. And then immediately sets its sights on the calf and just disgraces the calf. It attacked that recently purchased calf, and before they were able to deter the strange animal with physical attacks as well as multiple firearms being used on it, this would only signal the beginning of the strange occurrences that would plague that farm and the, the people around it during their short residence of the property. Because you got to realize, <clears throat> and rightly so, uh, the, all the weird shit that went on at this place, you know, the, the supernatural, the uh, uh, extraterrestrial, the fucking creatures and shit like that, like any normal person like you or I, probably after the first or second occurrence would be like, you know what? Fuck this place. I'm out. Mm-mm. No, sir. Like, we, yes, uh, if you believe in that sort of thing, we, we have spirits that are in the house here. We, we hear footsteps when nobody's walking around. Um, we hear noises that can't be, you know, tracked to a person or our animals. You know, things shift on their own for the most part it doesn't really scare us it's it's a little unnerving when you for when you hear it like if you're you're like deep in thought of something and you know the only other person in the house is sitting in front of you <laughs> um and you hear footsteps and you're like wait a minute what the but, uh, you know, for the most part, we, we, we are okay, you know. Nothing bad has really happened, thankfully. And, you know, 
But in the case of, of the Shermans, right, the, and Sherman Ranch and the shit that was going on there, man, I'd gotten the fuck out of there ASAP. 100% beat feet in the opposite direction of that fucking property. I don't care how much I paid for it. Amongst the myriad of encounters the family experienced were the family's account of driving home one night when another massive wolf-like creature darted out in the road next to their vehicle. Unlike most dogs or wolves, it was simply... uh, I'm sorry. Unlike most dogs and wolves, it was amazingly able to keep pace with the vehicle. Uh, And... They were not doing the speed limit at that point. They they were speeding. It followed the family until they turned onto their property's main entrance. It was like the edge of the property would not allow the beast to pass. So think about it. You're some fucking country back road in Utah. You're doing probably 50, maybe 60 down the road. You know, because country roads, nobody does the speed limit anyways. I don't even think most country roads have a fucking speed limit posted. So you're doing like 60 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you see this lumbering fucking wolf that is about the size of your car come out of the woods and start keeping pace with you. You're going to speed the fuck up, right? You're going to you know, push it to 70, 80, maybe even 90. You might even be doing 100 down there. And imagine this giant fucking wolf just galloping along next to you like it ain't nothing and then your only respite is pulling onto your property which the property itself has its own problems terry sherman the father recounted another tale of losing a 70 pound hole digger only for it to be found weeks later 20 feet up a tree now some could say, all right, maybe it was a tornado, you know, maybe there was inclement weather, maybe somebody, it's not like somebody did it as a prank, right? It ain't like Jim Bob and the boys got into a fucking batch of uh, white lightning and was like, you know what, let's put Terry Sherman's fucking hole digger up, up a tree. I know it does sound like activities that you would find in the South, don't get me wrong, I, I, I get it, I do, but no, that, that shit just ain't going to happen. He also recalled coming home from a trip into town only to find the majority of his head of cattle missing. After searching the property, he found them crammed into a hauling trailer. With the doors closed and secured, it was, it, it was as if someone or something had herded them into the trailer and then closed them in. Think about that. Almost eight cows were forced into a trailer that would normally only hold four. Cows are stubborn-ass fucking creatures, too. Like, they ain't the brightest, but they are stubborn. So whatever fucking got them in there either scared... It had to have scared the shit out of them to get them in there, right? You know, because they also don't like being bunched up like that. Like I, I would probably shit myself if I, uh, if I was a farmer and I came back to my my little trailer that holds four cows and like it clown card full of cows out, and you just open it up and it springs open with cow like the the fucking snakes out of the the can of nuts. Again, 
these people stayed on this property and with this ranch for a hell of a lot longer than I would have. Sorry, drinking my coffee because it has been a long day so far and I've still got many more miles to go. But so the Sherman Ranch was, uh, again, rife with all of these weird goings on. Stuff that you just couldn't explain. Stuff that didn't make any sense. Stuff that, that logically could not take place in reality as we know it, right? We, we, we are uh, brought up to believe that <clears throat> witches and magic and, and all this stuff, all these creatures and stuff, these are the things of legends and fairy tales and, and magic doesn't exist, right? Magic's not real in the world. We're, we're made to believe that, uh, you know, the tooth fairy and, and all these other things just aren't part of our actual reality. They are stories. They are things that we tell children to give them a sense of whimsy or whatever. And then you're living smack dab in the middle of the most terrific form of whimsy you could think of. What would you do? What could you do? How would you, the the listener, handle that? I would say that most people would probably, again, beat feet in the opposite direction of that fucking property and never come back. You've got a few people, like my wife, that would see a dire wolf and go, Oh, I want to pet it. But uh, as uh, the joke has been making the rounds on the internet, that is exactly right. Run, bitch, run. But uh, there's that joke going around the the internet uh, about white women, right? And this isn't racist or anything like that. But it it is a solid fact. If you have an injured animal, as long as you got a white woman's phone number in your phone, that injured animal will be just fine. And, and I sat there and I saw these and I laugh because my wife is kind of that way, but I also have a friend named Liz and Liz is that way. It does not matter what animal it is. If I'm not mistaken, she almost picked up a coyote once thinking it was a wounded dog. I have called, uh, Liz numerous times because we get bunnies in our backyard, um, and uh, sometimes the, the little ones, they get abandoned by the mother for whatever reason. And I've got a dog. And there are also neighborhood cats that come into the yard. So if I see a small animal in my yard that doesn't look like it can defend itself, I get on the phone and I call Liz. Hey, you feel like running a rescue mission? I have ridden around with Liz in the past as well to search for a dog someone thought they saw on a street wasn't her dog wasn't the dog wasn't a dog of anybody she knew she just heard there was a lost dog and she was on the case among the multitude of odd goings on was terry's wife seeing an rv shaped vehicle on the edge of the property she could clearly see a single human shape 
an entity moving past the windows in the object. Now, there's thought to be that this was MIB-related. And as you remember, the MIB are the men in black, and they are notoriously found around areas where extraterrestrial phenomena is rumored or known to occur. Now, remember, we're in the state of Utah. And you've got Utah, Colorado, Nevada, you know, you've got this this big block of states. And there are more involved where a lot of alien activity happens or is reported, I should say. Because we can't say one for 100% for sure that it happened. Um, so imagine seeing an RV at the edge of your property with one of them creepy fucking, they almost look like Slenderman, right? Like, because they're always said to be very tall, very lanky, you know, uh, the features on their face don't look quite right. You know, imagine a fucking RV. Imagine Breaking Bad with a fucking Slenderman, right? Instead of cooking meth, he's trying to figure out if he can cook you. Well, anyways, as she moved in to get closer uh, and inspect it, they seemed to notice her presence, and it quickly sped away. The last she said she saw of it, it seemed to fly off into the distance and take on a different shape. That's some fucking creepy-ass shit, wouldn't it? You're just sitting there looking at an RV and then fucking get closer to try and see it. And all of a sudden it goes speeding off down the street and turns into God knows what. I think I'd shit my pants. I'd also wonder what the hell was in my fucking drink because somebody would have had to have slipped me something. I've seen some weird shit in my time. I've seen things that I can't quite explain. I've seen stuff that has sent a chill up my spine. There are noises that I've heard that have shook me to my core. In my own home, every so often I will see out of the corners of my eyes, I will see shadows move, or I should say I will see movement. Because it's 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 in your peripherals. You can't clearly see what's there, right? Like right now, I can I know this is my hand, so my brain is filling in the gaps of what my hand should look like at the edge of my sight. I know that there are four fingers and a thumb attached to the hand. I know that there's a wide spot on uh where my, you know the palm of my hand and the back of my hand are, and I know that the the slope of my wrist. That doesn't mean that I see my hand clearly out of the perf- my peripheral vision. It's just that my brain knows that I'm holding my hand up and knows what my hand should look like. So it, it helps fill in the gaps. But if I take away my hand and something were to move, like I know off to the side here, there is my laundry room. 
I know that the washer and dryer are there. I know that there's a dry sink on the opposite side of it. I also know that there's a bookcase very close to me right here. I know that there is a doorway right here closer to me. I know the objects that are there. I know that none of them should be moving. When I see something out of the corner of my eye, I will admit 50% of the time, I just assume that it is my cat. My cat is black. When it moves, it looks like a shadow. However, when I see something move, and I know my cat's not around, or I know exactly where my cat is because I can see it like in front of me, I still tend not to look because I'm afraid that if I do look, I'm going to see something I don't want to see. And that's that's what it comes down to is is these people are are being terrified by things that they don't understand. They damn sure didn't fucking sign up for and they don't want to see. Now we talked a little bit last time and we'll get into this again later on, but we talked a little bit last time about Native American folklore and how there's no 100% proof that the, the folklore stories that they tell actually happened. But we can draw a parallel to their folklore stories to something that we're a little more familiar with. Um, there's Aesop's fables. There's the Bible. You know, these are things that are, are taught to people. Not so much because they necessarily need to know word for word. But they're they're, they're tales of warning, right? And we posited that the skinwalkers, which are from Native American lore, um, they are dark witches, uh, shapeshifters, things like that. Um, we posited that these stories were told to Native American children um, as a way of conveying morals or rules right i can tell you all day long that if you touch the fire it's hot and it's going to burn you and you may not you may or may not listen but if i sit down and tell you a campfire story about a little kid who was playing with fire and burned down his entire village you're going to remember that because that's going to scare you that brings it closer to home you're a little boy that lives in a village that there's constantly a campfire. I likened it at the time, if I'm not mistaken in the last episode, to the old urban legend about the hook. You guys remember the urban legend about the hook, right? It's, you've got two lovers up at like Makeout Point. They turn on the radio. They hear about a escaped mental patient. Then they start hearing weird noises outside the car. They get scared. They drive off. They get to a well-lit area where, you know, they're not as secluded as they were. You know, there's people around. And they get out and they look. And there's a hook hanging off the handle of the car. Now, the escape mental patient was said to have had a hook for a hand. We tell urban legends like that as a way to try to impart wisdom and morality without sounding pious and uh, like a know-it-all. 
And the moral of that story is, is be careful when you're out in the woods. You may think everything's fine, but there could be a man with a hook standing in the woods waiting to take advantage of you. And it was used to scare off teenagers from going to places like, you know, Make Out Point or whatever it would be called. But the point is, is we use stories like that to convey messages we may not otherwise be able to get across. Think of it. For years and years and years and decades... Yeah, well, that's where they got the idea for it, Skelly, is uh, the story is an urban legend. But we've, we've seen for years and years and years through television and movies about gay people or minorities and whatnot being accepted into communities and being welcomed with omen arms and whatnot. That has an effect on us because... We can tell you all day long that black people and Mexicans and, and uh, you know, uh, Asians and all everyone that doesn't look like my ass deserve rights and to be respected. But that sounds like finger wagging to most people. However, if they are slowly spoon fed an idea, little by little, little by little, little by little, you can change the social consciousness. That's what these stories are meant to do. These stories are meant to change the social consciousness of the tribe or the community in which the stories are being shared. So when you hear tales like Bigfoot or the Skinwalkers, yeah, they come to think that the idea was their own. We know tons of people like that in real life. There are uh, probably, in any one person, right now it looks like we got 10 people watching this, in any one person's life, you probably know 10 people that are like that in, in your entire social bubble, right? You know 10 people that are like that, that you have to make them think that it was their own idea before they'll ever accept it. It's infuriating. To have to deal with these people, to constantly have to sit there and figure out a way to mollycoddle someone to the point where they believe that they came up with the idea, so they're willing to go through, go do it. But the Native communities realized very early on that the storytelling is a great way to convey wisdom. The elders can tell you that that's wrong all day long, and you just get upset at them. Because you feel that they're trying to hinder you some way. However, if it's late at night and they're sitting around the fire and they're telling stories, well, they're just stories, right? They didn't, they didn't actually happen to anybody, did they? But what if they did? I don't want to be like the kid in the story. I don't want to be responsible for my whole village burning down. I'm not going to play with fire. I'm going to respect it. <sighs> okay. So, Terry also had a tale. 
It was what he described as a hippie wandering his property. Terry approached him, and the hippie claimed that he felt a presence on the land. Something he couldn't quite describe, but felt a unique energy there. The stranger inquired if he'd be able to find a spot to settle down for the night and meditate. Terry was naturally very reluctant. You know, they've, they've been seeing weird shit on the property, and now here's this hippy-dippy fuck that's like, oh, the energy's bad here, man. Bad vibes, bad vibes. Can I camp here and maybe try to figure out what the vibes are? No. No, you cannot. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't let anyone fucking camp there. I, I'd be like, you know what? You, you, you go on and get the hell out of here. You won't, you go on, you get, you get and you don't come back. Anyways, Terry was naturally very reluctant at first, but ultimately relented and allowed him to stay, leaving him to his ways. So can you imagine what he's thinking now? Great. I got giant fucking direwolves. I got fucking RVs with creepy ass fucking Slenderman in them. I got cattle that are either being mutilated or fucking, you know, herded weird. I got farm equipment that's winding up 20 feet up a goddamn tree. And now I got this hippie on my property. And God knows if he's going to make it through the night. And if he doesn't make it through the night, I'm going to have nothing but fucking problems crawling up my ass probably for the next six months to a year. Several hours later. After tending to the ins and outs of the ranch life, Terry would hear the screams of the visitor and run to his aid. After approaching him, the stranger pointed to a spot in the sky. The sun was setting, but there was a circular-shaped spot over the land that contained bright blue sky. The newcomer claimed that he had witnessed things emerging in and out shapes amorphous objects and creatures it all emerged from this singular anomalous spot of blue sky in an otherwise normally dark night imagine that just just think about it for a second right pitch black outside Giant hole of fucking blue sky over your property. Hippy dippy dude. I've seen things, man. Why do you smell like burning rope? Never mind that. I've seen some things. As Terry and the visitor continued watching, they both witnessed something pass through that patch of blue sky. And the question is. Was that a patch of blue sky? Or was it like an interdimensional portal? Was it, you know, Elvis? Uh, who knows, right? Like, when they recently announced about aliens or otherworldly entities, I think is what they said. Or entities not of this world. I forget the actual verbiage that they used. 
one of the things that was posited is they're not necessarily from outer space, but more interdimensional beings, right? I don't know about the rest of you of the, whether or not you believe in multiple realities. I've got a friend of mine who the, the concept is beyond him. He says he just doesn't understand how you could stack a reality on top of each other and not have the whole thing cave in. And I got to say that maybe there is in our dimension no intelligent life out there however einstein and uh other physicists have have theorized that uh you know you can travel great distances through a wormhole there are those that also believe that wormholes are gateways to other realities what if what they opened up above them was a smaller version of a wormhole like a, uh, well, usually they they say that the black holes are how we can slip great distances in space or slip to a different reality. But what if these are interdimensional beings? What if everything that we don't quite understand falls into the category of interdimensional being? Think about it. Imagine Bigfoot with a fucking handheld that's just like doo doo doo. We'll walk through and scare the normals for a little bit. Right? Or aliens, they're not traveling to our world from another planet, and they're not necessarily military controlled spacecraft, but they're interdimensional. So they just pop into our reality or pop into our dimension and then they go about doing whatever it is they're there to do they get seen by some whack job that's you know six into a 12 pack and of course he's pointing and screaming and sounds like the guy they asked what the tornado sounded like but he's he's telling the truth right you may not believe him and the news may not believe him, and science may not believe him, but he believes him. He believes what he saw. It could be extra-dimensional beings that Terry and the visitor saw. Although they couldn't quite see clearly. They saw something anomalous, but anthropomorphic come through and hit the ground. It was described as shimmering, but basically transparent. Think, uh, you guys remember the movie Predator? The uh, active camouflage that the Predator had, you know, where uh, you couldn't quite see him, but there was still a little outline there. Also, think about it. Bigfoot. Nobody quite knows why or how, if Bigfoot is real, they have gone so long without being seen or captured or even hard evidence captured. 
And, and while we're on the topic of Bigfoot, it does remind me, too. Recently, within the last week or two, in Colorado, there was a Bigfoot sighting. Footage of a creature from a great distance, unfortunately, was captured of what appeared to be a Bigfoot walking along uh, uh, a plain uh, in uh, a mountainside, like a flat area as it led up to the the mountain. It is not your typical habitat for a Bigfoot. Grab his dick and twist it! No, I'm not grabbing Bigfoot's dick and twisting it. Uh, it is not your typical area that you would find Bigfoot in. Um, however, it looks a lot like the Patterson-Gimley footage. It looks like the same creature, right? It, 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 even from a distance, it looks a lot like how that the, the PG footage looked. Now, this is the one in Colorado. I went and looked. It was it was Colorado. In fact, here, let me let me show you good people. This is the footage I was talking about. It's, it's not great. There was a, a zoomed in one that I can get, but you can clearly see the creature walking and then squat down. Now, when I showed Sim earlier, Sim said she thought it looked like the creature was walking on all fours. Play it again for you guys real quick. Or or not. Hold on. You can see it walking there and it crouches down to try to hide among the brush. It's pretty hard to see in this video, but there are videos of uh, close-up. Like they've zoomed in. And the footage is, like I said, very similar to how the Patterson-Gimley footage looked. The hair does not look like it was made. Uh, it does not look like a fake suit. Um, it, uh, it moves in the similar fashion to what we've become accustomed to seeing Bigfoot move. You know, with the big lumbering arms swaying and whatnot. Again, like I said, it's not your typical area that you would see things in, right? It's not your typical Hold on. I think Give me a second, folks. But yeah, it's not your typical area that you would see things in. And it has been rumored that Bigfoot could be an interdimensional being. And if you don't believe me, well, the idea of Bigfoot as an undiscovered species is already too out. If the idea of Bigfoot as an undiscovered species is already too out there for you, you're not going to like this. There are two main camps of Bigfoot believers. Those who think... I'm going to use Bigfoot both as a singular and a plural, are biological undocumented animals. 
and those that think they're super savvy and simply don't want to be found. But hopefully someday they will be. Or at least that's what these people believe. I personally, I don't want footage. I I don't want to know 100%. I don't want there ever to be solid proof that Bigfoot exists because I know what humans will do to it. We will capture it, we will kill it, and we will study it. Or worse yet, we will capture it and keep it alive and put it through immense torture and immense pain because we want to understand it. These are people you might be used to seeing on TV shows. Out in the mountains, doing Bigfoot calls, knocking on trees, etc. But there are others that think that Bigfoot aren't found, not because they're excellent hiders, but because they can slip in and out of our physical universe and into someplace else. These people point to Bigfoot sightings that include high strangeness like creatures walking through structures or sightings accompanied by orbs, mysterious lights in the sky, and strange voices. They point to Bigfoot tracks in the woods that don't trail off, they just end. There are more of these stories than you might think because some Bigfoot hunters want their work to be considered valid. They strip out those aspects of sightings and chalk them up to a human error rather than have them muddy the waters of it being a straight-up strange animal. And then, some people want the two sides to unite and see what can be learned. Is Bigfoot a cryptozoological creature? Is he some sort of ghost? Could both be right? While the ideas of a physical and metaphysical Bigfoot take up space in your head, it is useful to approach this as, a, as inquisitive and thought-provoking rather than a fact-finding mission. Uh, there, the books Where the, the Footprints Ed, Volumes 1 and 2 by Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner are compendiums of Bigfoot encounters with even stranger paranormal angles than seeing an unproven creature. They also explore myths and legends that might have unexpected ties to Bigfoot phenomena. Think fairies and merpeople. During a discussion of the book, um, it was suggested that some Bigfoot researchers want their work to be taken seriously, and some skeptics want to make their point. On top of... One of the top theories about non-terrestrial Bigfoot is he's some form of alien. Six out of the top ten biggest states for UFO sightings are also the same big Bigfoot sighting states. Could this mean that they go hand in hand? Or are we just drawing parallels where there don't need to be any? It seems like Bigfoot encounters have a lot of the same hallmarks, though, as UFO encounters, such as strange lights and fast-moving objects. In particular, a theory about often-reported orange orbs has held a lot of Bigfoot researchers' attention. These fast-moving balls of light have been seen in tandem with many a Bigfoot, leading to speculation they could be transporter beams or portals of some sort. 
Some say this could explain why there aren't bodies or bones to prove that Bigfoot exists. A big sticking point in the cryptozoology com community. Perhaps they're being zipped away into another dimension. Could we inadvertently be stepping into the beam of some of these portals, temporarily stepping into an alternate world? Some think that it's possible. Another commonality in Bigfoot sightings is a sudden, weird, unnatural silence in the forest. Maybe it's not that all creatures who live there are quieting down because there's a scary Bigfoot. Perhaps you've somehow entered another dimension and that version of the forest is silent. Could it be silent because in this dimension you're the predator and they're scared of you? Maybe they're happy with their Bigfoot. No big deal. But yeah, there, there's a whole line of thought that Bigfoot could be an interdimensional being. And as the, the folks on the Sherman farm are finding out, something strange is afoot at the Circle K. Now, whatever it was that Terry and the hippie saw, it took several steps through an open field. As they watched on it, suddenly seemed to become aware of their presence, and it darted off. It ran into the distance, never to be seen again, and then the mutilation started. One night, Terry's dogs were going wild at the front door. Being trained cattle herding canines, he let them out to tend to their job. They never returned. Upon respect, inspection, the ne uh, the next. <clears throat> upon inspection, the next day, after not being able to locate them, they came up. What they came upon were two greasy spots of gore, in the underbush. Now. We've all seen desiccated animals at some point or another in our life usually outside but usually when they're on the highway there's that weird grease spot that is there now imagine being look being out there looking for your dogs and you come upon just a, a pile of eck i like Think of the grossest, lumpiest pudding you could ever think of. You, you've really only got one option at that point. Those are your dogs. And of course you're going to wonder what the fuck happened to them. I personally would be scared shitless. I've got a tiny little dog. That motherfucker is uh, uh, able to be attacked by goddamn pigeons and be carried off. He's so small. I know these are work dogs, and I know a lot of people have work dogs, but they're family to some. There are those out there that treat their dogs no different than any other animal and leave them tied up outside, and those people should be drug out into the street and have their toenails ripped off one by one. But after all, after that, after the 
unfortunate, grotesque discovery under the bushes. Over the coming weeks, Terry would be saddled with the loss of multiple dead heads of cattle. What was initially thought to be the work of normal local predators became to be much more disturbing. The cattle were all killed with surgeon-like accuracy. Specific anatomical areas were attacked on the animals. They were cut and cored with pinpoint precision and not a drop of blood in or around the carcass. Now if these were wolves or bear, coyote, or any number of other predators that are out there, it would be just a bloody mess, right? Like there would be gouges and the internal organs and stuff would be ripped and shredded. You know, it would look like they went through a wood chipper. And there would be, you know, a giant mess left behind. But imagine walking out and finding your cattle with specific organs and specific muscle groups cut, clean lines, removed, no blood left in the animal, no blood on the ground. Me personally, that would send a chill up my spine, and yet again, I would beat feet in the opposite direction of that fucking property and never return. Because no, hell no, fuck no, hell the fuck no, uh-uh, no, I'm, I'm not sticking around for that, I'm not. I got fucking dire wolves in the field, I got men in black in RVs, I got fucking portals opening up out of the sky and big feet falling out onto the ground. Hard no. Exactly, hard fucking no. At what point do you say, fuck this shit, I'm out? Because I'm going to tell you what, that dire wolf attack in the beginning, that's my fuck this shit, that I'm out point. I ain't sticking around after that. It couldn't be explained. What kind of creature could attack in this ma manner? Well, there is something. There is the Hispanic folklore. There is a creature that would be capable of similar tactics. For those of you that are cryptid fans, you probably already know what I'm leaning towards. For the rest of you, the Chupacabra. And chupacabra literally translates to goat sucker. It's from Spanish chupa sucks and cabra's goat. It's a legendary creature and the folklore parts. <laughs> Ricky Martin. Different kind of sucking going on there, all right? Different kind of sucking. It's a legendary creature in the folklore part, parts of the Americas. 
The name comes from the animal's reported vampirism. The chupacabra is said to attack and drink the blood of livestock, including goats. And uh, if any of you have seen the uh, Hellboy movie, it kind of looks like Abe Sapien in a way, and the, the kind of reptilian look to it. It's a shorter creature usually, but it, it is bipedal, uh, but also runs quadrupedal. But yeah, I think Abe Sapien from uh, Hellboy. Uh, physical descriptions of the creature vary. In Puerto Rico and in Hispan uh, Hispanic America, it is generally described as a heavy creature, reptilian and alien-like, roughly the size of a small bear, uh, with a row of spines reaching from the neck to the base of the tail. While in southern, uh, southwestern United States, it's depicted as more dog-like. Initial sightings and accompanying descriptions first occurred in Puerto Rico in 1995. The creature has since been reported as far north as Maine and as far south as Chile. Even outside of the Americas, in countries like Russia and the Philippines, all of the reports are anecdotal and have been disregarded as uncooperated or lacking evidence. Sightings in northern Mexico and southern United States have been verified as canids afflicted with mange. Um, in 1975, a series of livestock killings in the small town of uh, Moca, uh, Maca, Puerto Rico, were attributed to El Vampiro de Maca, the Vampire of Maca. Initially, it was suspected that the killings were committed by a satanic cult. Later, more killings were reported around the island, and many farms reported loss of animal life. Each of the animals was reported to have had its blood or body bled dry through a series of small, circular incisions. Sounds almost surgical in precision to me. The first reported attack eventually attributed the actual chupacabra uh, attributed to the actual chupacabras occurred in March of 1995. Eight sheep were discovered dead in Puerto Rico, each with puncture wounds in the chest, and reportedly completely drained of blood. A few months later, in August, an eyewitness uh, named Madeline Tarantino reported seeing the creature in Puerto Rico or in a Puerto Rican town of Canavanas, uh, whereas many as 150 farm animals and pets were reportedly killed. Now, the chupacabra uh, was, uh, the name of it was, was coined by a Puerto Rican comedian and entrepreneur named Silverio Perez. Soon after the first incidents were reported in the press, and shortly after the first reported incidents in Puerto Rico, other animal deaths were reported in other countries, such as Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, the Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, uh, Nicaragua, Panama, Peru, and the United States. In 2019, a video recorded by Mundo Avani showed the results of a supposed attack on chickens uh, in a sector of uh, Lares, Puerto Rico. It was a five-year investigation done by a man named Benjamin Rafford. 
documented in his book uh, uh, released in 2011 called Tracking the Chupacabra. He concluded that the description given by the original eyewitness in Puerto Rico was based on the creature Sil in the 1995 science fiction horror film Species. The alien creature Sil is nearly identical to Tolentino's Chupacabra eyewitness account, and she had seen the movie before her report. It was a creature that looked like a chupacabra with the spines all the way down its back. The resemblance of the chupacabra was really impressive. Tolentino reported, Radford revealed that Tolentino believed that the creatures and events she saw in species were happening in reality in Puerto Rico, and therefore concluded that the most important chupacabra description cannot be trusted. This, Radford believed, seriously undermined the credibility of the chupacabra as a real animal. i give you the history there briefly, so we can get back to what we were talking about. But that sounds a lot like what, uh, what Terry was describing, right? You know, mutilation with uh, pinpoint precision, no blood left in the animal, and no blood spilt on the ground. Now, what if, what if the Sherman Ranch is a gateway? Think about it. In Native American culture or indigenous culture, uh, the Mayans and and all the, the ancient cultures that existed long before the white man ever set foot on this continent, They believed in the ley lines, right? They believed in the power and the energy of the ley lines. In fact, they built monuments and structures and obelisks that ran supposedly along, like interconnected, along those ley lines. What if, and I don't know if anybody's done the research, but what if some of those ley lines converge on the Sherman Ranch property? What if the land is supercharged to be a portal to wherever? Maybe it's a portal to multiple wherevers. There's a lot of things we don't understand about the land that we live on. We take it for granted every single day. We walk outside, we water our grass, we cut our grass. That's about it. Even when you have those that like to go hiking and camping and whatnot, they don't truly understand the land that they're standing on. I said in the first episode, the land has energy. There's a power in the dirt that is below your feet. You can call me crazy, you can call me, you know, a new age idiot, but I understand that there's a lot more going on beneath our feet than we have any understanding of. What up, Ice? We walk upon it every day and don't give it another thought. And it's weird, too, because it was a documentary that, that got my head around this. 
There's a documentary called um, Fantastic Fungi. If you have the chance to see it, do. But I am going to recommend for those of you that like to partake in uh, a few extracurricular activities, if you know what I mean, get fucking baked out of your gourd before you watch it. Because there are some fantastic fucking visuals that are just phenomenal to watch while you're stoned. However, that aside, Fantastic Fungi is a look at mushrooms. Not just the psychedelic mushrooms, but in the mushroom kingdom itself. So those of you that are familiar with playing Minecraft are familiar with the term mycelium. In real life, what mycelium is, is a interconnected network of fungus. Every plant on this planet is interconnected with every fungus that is on this planet. There is a deeply wove There is a deeply woven connection that is just under the surface. Every mushroom, every fungus that grows on the ground is connected to every other fungus through this mycelium. What is a black alert? What the hell does that mean? Did I die? Oh, okay. Sorry. My brain was not there. Anyways, there's a deeply woven interconnection of veins, essentially. All of the fungus on the planet are interconnected with each other. They think, they breathe, they move. And I know it sounds weird to say that, that plants think, but hear me out. All the trees, all the flowers... All the grass, everything that grows in the earth is also connected to that network. It is a living, breathing entity, essentially, that lives below our feet that we have no idea existed. Most of us had no idea existed. So when I say that there's energy in the ground, I'm not just talking the fucking, you know witchy, uh, wild-theoried version of energy. I'm talking legitimate, living energy. And when I said that plants think, they don't think in the typical sense, right? Like, uh, a tree's not sitting out there thinking about, you know, writing a novel. But they do talk to each other. And if you uh, have seen any of the videos on YouTube or TikTok or even Instagram, there are those that hook up machinery to these plants to hear what they're saying, essentially. Because there's electrical impulses that are running through them. And these connections read those electrical impulses as musical notes. It's really fucking cool. I will get lost for hours watching videos on it because I think it's neat. 
If you play certain types of music for plants, they grow better. Right? And and what's weird is is plants seem to like metal. A lot of plants seem to thrive in an environment that is is playing metal music. But why would music have any effect on a plant if it's just an inanimate object? Well, the energy. The energy from the, those hard-hitting bass lines and the screaming that comes off the singer and the drums and the guitar, all of that is energy. You set up a speaker and you're pumping waves of energy out with every fucking lick that energy is then absorbed by the plants and the plants use it to grow they don't like classical music that much but again it doesn't have a lot of that hard hitting energy I don't got a better word for it right now so what if the Sherman Ranch just so happens to be an area where the ley lines connect. And if there's one running water nearby, those of you that do believe in the, the Wiccan and pagan beliefs and the old native beliefs, there is no more powerful source of energy than water. So let's put these two things together. water, land that's already thriving because it's a farm, right? There's, there's plants everywhere. There's the field that the, cattle's gra the cattle graze in. There's the, the manure that the cattle drop, which uh, then creates uh, the continuing circle of life. And now you possibly have ley lines converging. I think you could get some interdimensional portals that way. No problem. It was shortly after these attacks, around the early 1996, remember Chupacabra showed up in 95, on the family's ranch that Terry did an interview with a local reporter. The interviews covered all of the phenomena that the family had dealt with. Cryptids, paranormal phenomenon, crop circles, cattle mutilation, lost time, these interviews would eventually catch the attention of Robert Bigelow, a self-made millionaire in the hotel business who had a vested interest in the paranormal and UFOs. Within three months of publication of the article, Robert Bigelow would make an offer to buy the ranch from the Shermans with an offer of around 200 k The Shermans were quick to sell. I would be too. Bigelow would almost immediately set up a scientific team to investigate the site. He would create NIDS, or the National Institute for Discovery Science, and after an extensive investigation around the home, or around the, the some 500 acres of land, the team would experience a wide variety of unexplained activities. 
After setting up NIDS, Bigelow would attract the attention of Colm Keller and George Knapp. They famously co-wrote the book Hunt for the Skinwalker. After their experiences at the location, which we mentioned in the previous episode, and is where we are taking most of our information from. But this is not where the story ends. Because we have more to tell you. And we will in our next episode. But I want to touch back on something that we found earlier today while we were getting ready for this. And it's not far, not all that far from the area. So you got to remember, I mentioned the Patterson-Gimley footage for Bigfoot, right? That came from California. And of course, if you guys know your geography, you know how things are set up. You've got California, you've got Nevada, and you've got Utah. Boom, boom, boom. And earlier I'd said, there's this, this little area where all this weird shit seems to happen. There's, there's, there's like a belt across. Almost like a Bermuda Triangle that isn't in the middle of the goddamn ocean. And there are tons and tons and tons of reports. But we found this really cool thing. And for those of you that are into road tripping and cryptids, you might want to put it on your uh, must-see list. It is called the Bigfoot Scenic Highway. And it stretches, let's see, hold on, from Willow Creek in California all the way up to a place called Happy Camp, also in California. And it is to it is believed to be one of the Bigfoot epicenters that a lot of sightings come through. It's of course a tourist attraction, you know, don't get me wrong. But uh it is supposed to be one of the the hottest areas for sightings. It's located among the deep green forest of northwestern California. The Bigfoot Scenic Byway takes you through the region boasting the most sightings of Bigfoot of anywhere in the country. Sandwiches says, and weirdly, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell just interviewed Colm Keller and another co-author on their book, Skinwalkers in the Pentagon. Coincidence? There's always been rumored that the, the federal government knows what's going on. That through the ages, the government has kept a massive book of secrets and that each president is privy to these uh, secrets but cannot speak of them but yeah so this this the scenic byway it's uh bo- where most of the sightings of Bigfoot uh, have ha- happened uh, more than anywhere in the country and whether you catch a glimpse of the elusive creature or not, a trip down the route rewards you with impressive mountain ranges, wild rivers, and recreation opportunities around every bend. 
It begins in Willow Creek, known as the Gateway to Bigfoot Country, and it ends in Happy Camp. Your trip... Pause. God fucking damn it, Dave. Uh, It's 89 miles, and you travel through or pass near a variety of public lands, including several wilderness areas, two national recreational areas, and the Wedwood National Park. The small towns along the route are the perfect place to stop and stretch your legs and get, uh, get a little insider information on Bigfoot themselves. What do you mean you can't hear? I heard it. Did anybody else hear Dave's alert? I fucking heard it. You still have muted next to your name. It says you're watching without audio. Could that be why you didn't hear it? Could that... How do you even know? Oh, all right. I don't know. I I keep fixing it and it keeps breaking. I don't think it wants you to have it. Yeah, there's there's tons of little stops though along this place and it it's kitschy and kind of cool but like there's a Bigfoot Steakhouse, uh there's a Hoopla Valley Reservation, a Bluff Creek Historic Trail, uh Orleans Clear Creek, Happy Camp. Uh like they have definitely set up for for Bigfoot enthusiasts. But I personally believe that it is entirely possible that the Sherman Ranch, or Skinwalker Ranch, if you will, sets upon some ley lines, and that that might be the explanation for all the weird goings-on. Now, I don't know. I don't have a map here. I didn't take the time to look to see where the ley lines are and if that is possibly a thing. But, you know, my semi-educated guess would be that there is definitely something that is creating all of this phenomena. And I don't think it's the imagination of a couple of fucking farmers. I think that what what they saw was real. Robert fucking Bigelow spent 200k on a 500 acre farm, which sounds like a deal, but then set up a fucking scientific discovery fucking camp. If you go to Skinwalker Ranch now, there is a giant fucking gate out front. This is no trespassing. Why? I mean, people are stupid and will do all sorts of shit, but what 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 you got going on behind that gate? Do we need to Naruto run at the gate? Because it worked for the 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 people at Area Fifty One, right? 
there's definitely something strange going on out there. Because you've got everything, right? You've got fucking giant mythical creatures such as direwolves. You got fucking MIB types showing up. You got shit falling out of the sky. You got things that look like Bigfoot. I mean, what else could it be, right? Like, the only thing that they're missing is the devil himself fucking juggling and a couple of ghosts as backup singers. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Matt, there will be a third part, correct? I'm going to wait for him in the chat because there is a bit of a delay. And I believe in our third part is where we bring it all home. But I highly recommend yourself looking into the Sherman Ranch. Because, as always, my goal is to present you with enough information to pique your interest. Because I can tell you all day long that this shit is real, that I believe it. I can present you with the stories and the information. But that doesn't mean you're going to believe it. I'm a big believer in you finding out information for yourself. It is not my job to tell you what or how to think. But it is my job to present things in a fashion that might get you interested enough to go seek it out on your own. You know what? Dave's in the chat right now. Dave has a cattle farm. Dave, have you ever seen cattle mutilations on your property that you can't explain? Anything like what we described with like surgical precision? Or has any time that a cattle been downed through outside forces has it been you know pretty gruesome pretty violent you know blood and guts and stuff everywhere because i'm sure you know you've had your fair share over the years of wolves or rabid dogs might take a nip or two at one of your your uh cattle it's all, it's like an inevitability, right? When you you run a farm, you're going to have to deal with uh, outside pests. So, the question is, what have you seen, if anything? I'm going to tell you what I, I I'm not I'm not believing that a, a wolf is out there with a knife and a straw, just like yep. They'll never believe this. But yeah, uh, Sandwiches Malone said, yes, Robert Bigelow and the scientists hired to investigate and their experiences on the property. This episode was a little light only because there's this weird break, right? where there's not a lot that was 
fully documented. There's not a lot that went on. Like, I know that sounds like a lot. Everything that we talked about, you know, from the the cattle being stuffed into a fucking trailer to the the post hole digger being 20 feet up a tree and aliens in the cornfield and, and all this stuff. Um, I know it sounds like a lot. But it's really the lull, right? The first episode, we kind of ramped up to everything. And then, you know, we hit the the peak of crazy and then it kind of plateaued and just rode that line for a little bit. But I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, the stuff with Robert Bigelow and the scientists that were hired to investigate, that takes the train or the roller coaster even further up the hill. Because now remember, everything we're going to talk about, and it should be several pages for me to get through, so we might not be able to joke around and stammer too much. But I do believe everything that we'll get through at that point, these are scientists. These are people who make their living trying to understand the unknown. I always am on the fence I don't know if I believe I believe the possibility exists I believe that the possibility of aliens exists I believe that the possibility of Bigfoot exists you know I believe that the possibility of true magic and witchcraft and all that exists anything's possible but there's a difference between possible and probable and that's where I always find myself is trying to trying to understand in my own head the the gaps between possible and probable it is possible for my fat ass to take a running start at a six-foot fence and jump it. But it is not probable that it's going to happen. And I have theories when it comes to Bigfoot that are outside the norm, too. Like uh, my buddy Ace, he is a huge Bigfoot enthusiast. And there are things that I believe that he doesn't believe. Like, for example, when it comes to Bigfoot and uh, trying to understand why they can move about, but they're not often seen moving about, right? Like you'll see them in the woods and then they'll just disappear, you know, or that we don't find Bigfoot camps or anything like that. My thought process is, and I've mentioned this before, and I mentioned it in my Bigfoot, is I wonder if they utilize the cave systems. And I I, I say this, and people are like, well, how would they get from point A to point B? Look at the cave systems in America. They are all interconnected. Some of them have passages that are very narrow to fit through, but they're still connected. Now, I'm not saying that a seven-foot-tall hairy monster is squeezing through a hole that big. 
But if there's a small hole, there's a chance somewhere else there's a bigger hole. And what if they've learned to traverse those cave systems? What if they know the path to the spots where they can fit through? What if they live down there? Like, we've, I think, if I remember correctly, when I did my Bigfoot, I think we've only explored like 12% of the cave systems in America. We have no idea what's down there. We have no idea fully how deep they go or how far they go. I know that there's a cave system that stretches from the very top of Michigan all the way down to the fucking cave system in Kentucky. Yeah, that's a good point, Dave. Well, then, uh, well, and then you have to think about maybe some of those cave systems that intertwine with uh, some abandoned mine shafts. Yeah. I think it's entirely possible that that, if Bigfoot does exist, that those caves are the reason that we don't know where they live, that we don't see them that often. Now, there is a theory that those cave systems are being used for a much more nefarious pur purpose, and that is a discussion for another episode. But since we were talking Bigfoot anyways, I think those cave systems are key as to why we don't see, see them. I think they move and live down there. Yeah, and... Like Dave said, there are new mine shafts growing daily. There are people down there mining and, and whatnot. Yeah, same with UAPs. We've barely explored any of the ocean. We know more about space than we do our ocean. Think about that. It took billions of dollars to build rockets that were safe enough to get up into space. And we know more about what's above our heads than we do of what's under the water. We're finding new species all the time. And the deeper you go, the weirder they fucking get. I still 100% believe that octopi do not belong here. They are not of this earth. Their DNA is alien everything else on this planet including other sea creatures they are some of the smartest creatures on this planet they are some of the most resourceful creatures on this planet they have the ability to regenerate limbs they have the ability to regenerate their own cells they can live for I believe a couple of hundred years if, you know, sickness doesn't set in or they don't, you know, get eaten by other animals if possible or wind up somehow severely injured. I believe that it is entirely possible for an octop octopus to live close to 200 years, closer than you or I could. I've always been fascinated by octopi. From the, the giant kraken of old pirate legend to 
Cthulhu himself. The idea of, of a creature like the octopus, or cephalopods in general, but intrigues me for some reason. And that is why we use a lot of it in the imagery for the show. It's the unknown. It symbolizes the weird that we are, that we experience in this planet, to me. Yeah, we thought the coelacanth was extinct for over 100 years. But the reason we use the the octopus tentacles and stuff like that is, you know, I am an H.P. Lovecraft fan, but it symbolizes the weird, the unknown, the strange. And how it stretches so far across our lives. And we don't even realize it. Oh, also, too, if you guys noticed, I've swapped the logo underneath the little picture where my window or where my my face is. And I, I hope you guys like it. Um, I, I think I think that's the new logo that we're going to run with. I know this is off topic, but like in the movie Incredible Hulk, how we have not made a serum for faster limb regeneration like the lizard tails or even starfish ability to regrow of whatever the body is. How have we not? Well, some may claim that we have and it's just under lock and key. Those people like tinfoil as headwear, but it is what it is. Um, I I think the issue is is we can't. I think the DNA to do that is locked within the octopi genome, and it's so different from ours that they haven't figured out a way to combine the two. But you're right. It seems to be that it would be possible, right? Because our, our own... Yeah, not compatible. But it, our own cells regenerate to a point. And we have... This is, this is a scary thought. But this is something that I learned years ago. Did you know that on any given day, you, whether you smoke or not, Go in and out of a cancer situation about a hundred times a day. Because what cancer is, is just dead or infected cells. Now, typically when a cell dies off, the cells around it will consume it and take its place. Cancer cells are the ones that don't get consumed and end up spreading. Think of it like uh, an infection that goes untreated. At any given, on any given day, of any given week, of any given month, of any given year, in your life, you go in and out of a cancer situation, a serious cancer situation, about a hundred times a day. Now that means our cells have the ability to regenerate a little bit. We have the ability to repair a little bit. 
You know, same as when you get a cut. It may take longer, especially as you get older. But eventually the cut will heal and either you'll get a scar or it'll heal like nothing was ever there. I think our DNA is incompatible currently with DNA that would allow us to do that. But then you also have the, the school of thought, and this is what always boggles my mind. There are scientists that are, are devout Christians. There are, are, are people of science that believe that a man sits on the clouds in the clouds and is controlling everything. But there are scientists that, you know, wrestle with, should we play God? Should we tamper with the natural order of things? Now, on the one side of the coin, we've already done that. Back before we even had the concept of washing our fucking hands, the life expense expectancy of most people was 30-ish years. If you were lucky, 30 was considered old age. Then with the advent of washing our hands and medical science, we began to extend that longevity. Now, so we've already played God in a way. We decided that, you know what, it's pretty shitty that people are dying off at 30 years old. Maybe we should try to fix a few things. You know, maybe we should wash our hands and treat infection and, you know, start trying to figure out diseases and try to stop them. So, you know, our, our, our society, our, our people stop dying so early. Now here we are in 2023. And the average life expectancy for people is about 80 years old, give or take, depending on family history and the lifestyle that you've lived and how healthy you keep yourself. But there's the rub, too. You could never smoke. You could exercise daily. You could eat healthy. You could never go to fast food. You could never eat junk food. You could keep yourself completely healthy and you'll still die of a disease that you might have gotten if you had done all that other stuff. That's why, like, I smoke cigarettes. I would like to quit mainly because it gets to be expensive. But in the back of my head, my brain is telling me that if I keep smoking, I'll be fine. But that the minute I quit smoking, I'm going to get a, a, a health condition from it. I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to get COPD. I'm, I'm, my lungs are just going to fall apart if I quit smoking. Because that happens. I also believe that it doesn't really matter what we do to our bodies to an extent. That our time is our time regardless of whatever we do. Part of me believes that if we're destined to get fucking cancer, we're going to get cancer no matter what we do. 
if we're destined to uh, have lung issues as we age or our memory is to go, it's going to happen no matter what we do. It doesn't matter how much fish oil and ginkgo biloba we put into ourselves. Now, Alzheimer's runs in my family. And when I say runs, I mean Usain Bolt. There is a high likelihood that I will have to deal with Alzheimer's. That is why I uh, I make jokes about my memory like I did early on, but it scares the living shit out of me. Because I forget things so easily. And it's hard to determine what is an ADHD lapse in, in like focus and attention which is which has created what seems to be a forgotten thing versus is my memory actually going there is so much in this world that we don't understand but yet we act like we're so sure everything we say and think and that is why i like exploring topics like aliens and bigfoot and you know the skinwalker ranch and and all of these paranormal and extra normal type things is because we don't truly know There are no more lands to discover. But there's so much in the world around us daily that we have no idea about. You wake up every morning and you're so sure that you're going to get out of bed and go get coffee. And that you're so sure that you're going to go get dressed and go to work. And that you're so sure you're going to go to work and you're going to work your shift and you're going to leave and come home. But in those gaps, there is a whole world of unknown that could drastically change not only the course of your day, but the course of the rest of your life. And it is fun to speculate about the possibilities. But I, I believe in this stuff mainly because I hope, I hope that there's something bigger. I hope that we don't know everything. That there's still some mystery and some magic and some trickery for us to discover. Because I'm not a scientist, I'm not going to be at the forefront of any major breakthrough. It's not going to be because of my involvement. And I am at the, the, the halfway point of this race. I'm 41 years old. I just said the basic life expectancy is about 80 years. That means... I'm in the last half. I'm in the back nine of my life. And I hope for something spectacular in the next 40 years. 
something just awe-inspiring and life-changing, some revelation that some of the things that I spent my life intrigued by is true. Now, I don't care if it's aliens, I don't care if it's Bigfoot, I don't care if it's monsters or demons or fucking Chupacabra or Men in Black. I don't care what it is. But I feel like the little kid in the movie Incredibles when the father uh, asks this uh, neighborhood kid, what are you waiting for? I don't know. Something amazing. Because that's me. I'm, I'm waiting for something amazing. Something that just makes my jaw hit the floor. Because life has been a struggle for everybody. And there's good in it, don't get me wrong. But I'm just fucking smacked in the face daily by all of the bad. It's like, oh, well, big surprise, we're going to war again. Oh, big surprise, another school shooting. Oh, big surprise, a politician has been found to be corrupt. Give me something. Something that isn't tainted by bullshit. Because if this is all there truly is, I want my money back. Because this sucks. <laughs> there was something, too, that I posted um, both uh, through my TikTok and through my Facebook wall that I thought was pretty interesting. It was an animated uh, video. And... It was supposedly a person speaking with a godlike entity. And they were talking about the idea of reincarnation. And while the idea that I'm about to share with you scared the living shit out of me, it also weirdly brought comfort for some reason. So the idea of reincarnation that this video was putting forth is you are the only person in the universe. Now stay with me. You and that stranger across the street are both you at different points in your life or in your spiritual being. When you die, you're reincarnated as another person. And you don't get to transcend until you have been every single person on the planet. You don't remember that you are that person. You don't remember that you were that person. That's where those feelings of deja vu and things come into play. Or how we seem to instantly connect with certain people. The thought process is, is your two be spiritual beings jive better than your spiritual being with someone else that you don't get along with, that you don't click with like that. And I thought the concept of that was just wild. And like I said, it scared the living shit out of me because that means I got a lot more go-rounds and I don't want that many more. 
But the idea that I am the, and this, I don't mean it to sound egotistical, but the idea that I am the only entity in this universe and that I will live the lives of every person who has been born, is alive, and will be born simultaneously at the same time. brings me some weird comfort and the idea is is you live as each person until you learn enough in the spiritual sense to then you yourself become a god and then you watch over another universe while some other soul starts their journey And you watch that person and you try to help guide them as they continue on their path to become their own god of a universe and repeat the cycle. I know it's a bold concept. I know it's new agey and crazy, but like I said, it terrified me and also brought me comfort to know that I am he and you are me, and we are all together. Which makes me feel so much better about the concept for the, the show and the Latin that goes around that coin on the new logo. It is our motto. Come as you are. Be who you are. We're all in this together, each and every one of us. Whether you believe in the, the reincarnation theory that I just put forth or not, we are connected. You surviving and me surviving are just as important as each other. And whether directly or indirectly, we are responsible for each other. Just because I have $20 more in my pocket than you do, or you have $40 more in your pocket than I do, doesn't mean anything. If we can get past the bullshit, we can take care of one another and we can look out for one another. Because we are one another. What's the joke about? Uh, 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 about uh, the the Buddhist hot dog vendor, you walk up to a Buddhist hot dog vendor and tell him, "Make me one with everything." I've thought that for a while. That was my biggest uh, pushback against the uh, Christian religion and uh, the idea of God and Jesus to begin with. I like the Buddhist outlook on things. Uh, my my mindset falls somewhere in the middle of Wiccan, Pagan, and Buddhism. One, I believe being in control of everything from the weather to time to good things and bad things happening and whatnot, all of that feels too much for one entity. I don't care how fucking omnipotent you are. The idea of multiple gods and goddesses makes more sense to me, i.e. Wiccan and Pagan beliefs. And 
the idea from Buddhism that I like is that we are all connected. I'm as much a part of that tree out there as that tree is me. My survival and its survival are interconnected. Don't believe me? Go cut down a tree the wrong way. You got a tree on your property near your house? You cut that tree down the wrong way, it's going to let you know that you and it are intertwined as it falls into your house. But we need trees to breathe and live. We need trees to bear fruit and shade. And the trees need us to nourish the land so they can continue to provide the shade and the oxygen and the fruit. But we built houses and we wired them up with electricity and we got TVs and computers and cars and all these trappings that really don't matter in the long run. Sure, they seem important right now, but realistically, we as a society survived for centuries. Dare even say eons without them. Sure, most of us died before we were 25 or 30, but we survived. And we had a deeper connection to the world around us at that point. We believed in our ancestors watching over us. We believed in a power of magic that existed. That medicine and magic went hand in hand. We believed in listening to our elders. We saw our elders as a source of wisdom and knowledge rather than the burden that we see them as now. Every time you get stuck behind an old person at the store who's counting coupons, you get mad. Instead of realizing that, yeah, that person is holding up the line, but they're also probably saving more money than you are. That's wisdom. That's knowledge. I had a woman that I was helping uh, at work the other day. She was having problems getting into her account on uh, the, the app. She was so certain that she couldn't do it. And she was highly frustrated right from the jump because she knew that she knew in her reality the person that she was going to speak to on the other end of the line was going to be annoyed and think she's stupid. Because she can't do something. I went 20 minutes over. I took the call 40 minutes before the end of my shift. I went 20 minutes over the end of my shift helping this woman. And she kept apologizing the whole way through. And I had to remind her, this is what I'm here for. My job is to help you with whatever I can that you need help with. They literally pay me to take care of you. 
so I don't care if it takes another 30 minutes or another three hours. I am here with you, by your side, on this phone, until you can get into your account. And she fumbled with the password a bunch, and she screwed up her username a bunch, and she was embarrassed the whole way through. But at each point when she would apologize or say that she's so embarrassed, I would reassure her and let her know that these things happen. That a lot of the times when it comes to technology, people overthink what they're doing and start messing up. That you take it one step at a time. You download the app. You open the app. You put in your username first. You put in your password. You put your password in slowly. You go back and double check your username. You go back and double check your password. You take the time and care to ensure that it's right. And sure, it's a slow process. And it may take you forever the first 10 to 20 times. But eventually, it becomes habit. Like the back of your hand. You won't even think about it. I don't know if I helped that woman get past her inherent fear of technology. But for those moments that she was on the phone with me, I made her feel like everything was okay. That it was okay to not necessarily be so technologically savvy. Because there are still people out there that are willing to teach and to take care of you and to show you how to do things. And I felt good at the end of that call. Because that woman reminded me a lot of my mother. And I miss my mother greatly. We're coming up on four years that she's been gone. And weekly, I would have to help my mother with something that was so simple and so natural to me. Her biggest issue wasn't trying to sign into things. It was saving photos and being able to find them again later. Because she would download a picture and just click download and save and not pay attention to where it's going. Not not build a pattern, build a rhythm, you know, create a special folder that she has to force herself to navigate to each time to put it away. She would just save it and then she's like, where is it? And then she'd call me and she's like, I saved something. I don't know where it went. Okay. Go to your downloads. What do you mean go to my downloads? So I'd walk her through how to find where she, like the, 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 the log of downloads that's on the browsers. And see that button that says open in location? Hit that. And it would take her straight to it. And she's like, well, why did it save there? That's not where I wanted it. Did you tell it to go anywhere specific? No, I just hit save. That is why it went there. That's where it chose to go. Well, that doesn't make any sense. 
is what it is. Well, how do I get it to do this? And then I would walk her through the process. And I did this weekly for a very long time until I moved out of state. And when I moved out of state, I passed the reins to my brother. But at least once every couple of months, I would get a phone call from my mother. How do I do this? Well, where's Eric? Well, he's not home right now. Okay. I am not there. I can't see your screen or what you're doing. So bear that in mind. But I will do my best to try to help you figure out what you're trying to do. And sometimes it was successful. And sometimes she hung up more frustrated than when she started. Those were usually the instances where even I was baffled as to what she did. Like, you ever spell a word so wrong that the fucking squiggly line goes, Ah, I got no fucking clue, man. It could be Tuesday. It could be fucking onomatopoeia. I don't know what the fuck you were trying to spell. Every so often, my mom would run into those things. And me being all the way across the country, I wasn't much I could do to help. All I'm saying is, appreciate the world around you. Look for the wonder. Look for the whimsy. Because it's really easy to get bogged down in the bullshit. It's really easy to just be pissed off all the time. Trust me, I know. I'm living proof. I'm angry from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to sleep. But luckily, the job seems to... For some reason, I'm able to kind of push that aside because... I'm, I'm helping people. I'm genuinely helping people. But I am a grumpy son of a bitch. Normally. Ask any of the motherfuckers that are sitting in this chat right now that hang out with me in a VC on a regular basis. They know I am a grumpy son of a bitch. But I'm also hopefully a nice guy, a nice enough guy. <laughs> nice enough guy that that they look past the fact that I'm a grumpy son of a bitch anyways that'll do it for tonight I want to thank you for joining us for episode 2 of uh, Welcome to the Ranch we will be back in two weeks with part 3 and then we have something special planned for the second week of, uh, that we air in November because we're going after Thanksgiving. We've talked about the native folklore. We've talked about the native culture a little bit here and there. But we're really going to go in and show why Thanksgiving really shouldn't be celebrated anymore. Another big thank you to Matt Roberts for all his hard work on this episode. Thank you to my wife, Sim for finding extra links for me to help kind of fill in some gaps that I saw for myself. Um, I have the best research team that uh, anybody could hope for. I want to also thank Black Powder for the raid earlier and the love and the support of the subs. 
And after I'm done and do what I need to do, I will be back streaming for a little bit, unless the wife wants to go to bed. And we'll be back doing uh, GTA RP for a little bit. Make sure that you find and follow the Cult of Odd on Facebook. If I can get us to a thousand, if you, well, not I, if you guys can get us to a thousand followers before the end of October, I have a special piece of merch that I've been holding on to for, for the right occasion. If we get to a thousand Facebook followers for the Cult of Odd page, I will drop this merch in a limited run. That means you're going to have to grab it. Because once the timer runs out on it, that's it. It will not be available again. Ever. And it is something that we have not offered before. It is not a coffee mug. It is not a t-shirt. It is not a sticker. It is something way cooler. And I designed it myself. Excuse me. In the immortal words of the Iron Sheik, good night and go fuck yourselves. <laughs>